This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering. First. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome to an absolute bumper edition of the World's Best Construction Podcast. I'm your host Fred and as always I'm joined by Luke Bly and Liam Marsh. It's been a huge week guys. What's been going on in your life? Liam Marsh first this week. How's it been going? Yeah good mate. Life's life's very good. Very good. As as always. um, Again mate I don't really have much to to report. (laughs) I'm just doing your bulk standard Life things. Um, dog dad. Dog dad. Yeah, hanging out with dog, going to the beach, uh, eating lots of food, planning my wedding. Wedding's uh, in just over a month, which I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to, to, to be honest, to get out of the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's stressful, man. And I'm just over it now. I just want to have the party. Cool. Move on. Stop pumping yeah. all my money into it and just have a good day with my friends and family. <laughs> So romantic. He's such a romantic. How <laughs> <laughs> have you been, Luke? <laughs> yeah, I've been good, mate. I've been good. Honestly, a bit like Liam, it's been a, a wee bit uneventful, mate. But it feels like, I think you said before recording, it feels like September's here, school's back in Europe anyway. And the construction news has just gone a little bit crazy. Um, so I'm looking forward to diving into a bit of that, mate. But uh, you, you were in Chicago. And yeah, I was. Honestly, I, I'm, I've never been to Chicago. And in the US, I just, it, that's one of the few places where I'm like, no, I really need to go there sooner rather than later. I've been to a lot of the US now. I haven't been to Chicago. How was it? Did you feel like Ferris Bueller? <laughs> I did. I did. It was amazing. It was an awesome city. I didn't get to see much of the city. I have to say, I was at Procore's amazing groundbreak event for a couple of days there. And it was really cool because they'd put, Get construction talking and construction mental health front and center at this massive construction event, which they didn't have to do, but that really matters. You know, it really makes an impact. It really helps raise awareness for people. And I did a panel discussion there with some fantastic people about mental health and construction. Also, did that sit down with Michael Phelps in front of nearly 5,000 people, which was absolutely incredible. The guy is a legend. We had a really good chat together. Um, even got chatting to him about the gym backstage because we were both staying oh. at the Marriott and he was. Uh, <laughs> chatting to me about the pros and cons of the hotel gym that we'd both trained in which was very very cool to that <laughs> squat technique with michael phelps it was yeah, it was awesome it was amazing yeah then the last day i had like uh, uh fred mills's morning off sort of ferris bueller's day off right uh went to do the willis tower which was awesome 
tallest uh, building in Chicago, once the tallest building in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very cool. Stood at the spot, you might have seen on my Instagram, stood on the spot where Ferris Bueller's Day Off was filmed, did the ledge, which is like this glass box hanging out the side of the building, which was absolutely heart-stopping, terrifying thing to do. I was quite up for it until I got to the moment where she said, okay, step out. And I got there, looked over the edge and was like, uh, I can't do this. This is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed that. And then also did a very quick architectural boat tour, which I wasn't expecting to be as good as it was. It was absolutely outstanding. It was really, really, really good. The guy knew everything about skyscrapers and the development of Chicago. And I was nodding along, sort of saying, yep, correct, correct, as he was going through his points because he was saying <laughs> stuff like, this building was overtaken by this building. This building was built then. I was like, yeah. I know all this stuff, and you're getting it right, mate, which is good. Um, but it was lovely. I, I was I had a break for the first time in ages. I had it was only, it's only an hour and a half, but I had a cold beer. The sun was shining, and I was going around on a boat, having someone talk to me about skyscrapers. It was like yeah. a perfect, perfect thing. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Great city, great people. Really good trip. Yeah. And, and did you have any deep dish? Any deep dish pizza? Or? I didn't. I actually had two oh. restaurant recommendations. Shout out to my friend Liv, who listens to this podcast, uh, who recommended uh, two restaurants. One was Ocheval, which does this amazing uh, burger stuff. It was hard to get into, but the meat was incredible. The other one is Green Street Meat Company, where we went and we had like pulled pork and stuff. It was really, really good. That's only the two times I ate. I was so busy, I didn't actually get a lot of time to eat <laughs> mm. um but yeah that was good and my hotel room had a big view of the chicago skyline so i just woke up early in the morning and watched the sunrise over lake michigan hitting the skyscrapers it was just incredible yeah awesome mm. really good trip yeah it sounds, sounds amazing mate what a great trip yeah. it's been mm. awesome it's been a big week we also had a construction story of the year long list announced which i'm very excited about so Long list is out there now. We've highlighted a number of projects uh, who are basically the, the best construction stories of the year, guys. Uh, and then early October, we're going to be announcing the short list. So do go over to the b1m.com, have a look at the construction story of the year long list, see who made it. If you didn't make it, if you didn't enter, then joke's on you. I've been saying it on this podcast for weeks, <laughs> you should enter. So, um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, I want to get this out of the way now, mate. Yeah. I think it deserves its own spot in the episode. HS2, right? The UK's high-speed rail project. Um, what would you reckon, mate? There's been a bit of news lately. I wanted to get your opinion on all the drama that's going on. Just quickly. Give I, us. I, I think we saw this coming. The writing's been on the wall yeah. for ages. <laughs> like For anyone that doesn't know, this is the UK's new high-speed railway from London to Birmingham, first of all, but then on to Manchester, Leeds, and the North. Um, we've done a video on it. We've actually got the world's most viewed video on HS2 over on YouTube. Over 4 million views now, so do go and check that out. Half an hour of deep reporting, maps, analysis, history. Uh, I'm really, really proud of that video, so do go and have a look at that. Um, but I, it, It's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. For a government who said they wanted to be levelling up the North and spreading wealth up the country to be now cutting the flagship infrastructure project on a cost basis <laughs> and bringing it back just to Birmingham. So it now, it now leaves from Old Oak yeah. Common, which is the outskirts of London up to, up to Birmingham. And that's it. We, we didn't need a high speed railway to Birmingham. It's not far from London for goodness sake. Did you see uh, <laughs> Rishi Sunak's 
Rishi Sunak's response, yeah, to this when he was and I know we don't get political on this, but I just thought it was really funny when they were talking about high speed rail. It's like, no, we are committed to levelling up the north. We're more committed than ever to potholes and buses and stuff like that. You're like, what? What is this guy talking about? We were just talking about high speed rail. And now you're talking about potholes. It's what are you on about? The budget the budget is extortionately high. The time period has pulled out by decades. And and it's not even doing it's it's not even worth it now. Our own our own experts we spoke to in the video that we produced said if you only go to Birmingham, then it's not worth it. And what really wound me up is that they had a government minister on TV on Sunday saying that, oh, it's it's all down, but you know, the circumstances have changed. We've had COVID, we've had inflation, there's been the war in Ukraine. So, you know, now we have to kind of pull back on costs and we can't do this anymore. Well, when you sat down and planned to build a railway over the course of 20 years, mm-hmm. it did not occur to you that there might be some economic cycles or international developments happening? I mean, just, just they think we're idiots. They think we're idiots. It's, it's an absolute joke. It's an embarrassment. And what really winds me up most of all is that, <laughs> sorry, I'm on a rant now, but what really winds up most of all is that there's some really good feats of engineering going on here. Yeah, Yeah, there's some great construction teams working hard on what is an incredible mega project. But already, it's got a bad name because it's late, Mm. it's over budget, it's been cut back and no one wants it. Just, sorry, rant over, but yeah, winds me up. Well, I just wanted to hear that, mate. I just wanted to get a (laughs) rant out yeah. (laughs) It's good, mate. That's good. It's good to know we're we're on a similar page, but at least it's a bit funny. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, one more thing I need to talk about is uh, get construction talking, guys. We've got some good stuff happening. We are coming to Sydney, Australia. Fred Mills and Liam Marsh together in Sydney, Australia on the 2nd of November. We are at the Museum of Contemporary Art, which is opposite Sydney Opera House. An incredible venue. We've got balcony views. We've got a great panel discussion. We've got freebie giveaways. It's going to be awesome. It's the first time I've been to Australia since I created the B1M. Uh, first time I've been since 2007. I'm ashamed to say. So uh, wow. yeah, when Luke was when Luke was born, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be awesome, guys. It is free to attend. You can go and register uh, over on the b1m.com. We've got a link up there. Uh, also over on Eventbrite, and you can get uh, access as well through getconstructiontalking.org. That's where you can see news about all our events. But yeah, it's there. Second of November, free to attend. I'm coming to Australia. I will look exhausted when I get there, but please come along, take a selfie. <laughs> that would be much appreciated. Uh, we are also doing a breakfast event in London on the 12th of October. It's all happening, I'll tell you. Breakfast, bacon sandwiches. If nothing else, if you don't want to come for me or the mental health, come for a free bacon sarnie. Uh, 12th of October, which is World Mental Health Week in central London. Again, great panel. We've got UK Parliament. We've got Balfour BT. We've got Mates in Mind. It's going to be a really good chat. Um, so yeah, make sure you come down for that one. Mm. Great view of the skyline there as well. The sea containers, isn't it? It is. We we do like a skyline view at B1M. I have to say. Mm. So we've got the sea containers house in London, twelfth October, with a killer London view. While you have your bacon sarnie and listen to me, what could be better? What, better, <laughs> what could be better to start your day? Name a few things, mate. <laughs> and then, and then in Sydney, we've got the uh, the Opera House view, which is going to be which is going to be great. So, yeah, talking about looking rough in selfies. Um, I was spotted at a, a pool on Saturday. I took my son to Guildford Spectrum Leisure Centre, 
because uh, he hadn't seen me all week, obviously been in Chicago. So knackered and jet lagged, I went to Gilbert Spectrum with him. And then the lifeguards, one of the lifeguards, was like, "Are you uh, Fred Mills from the B1M?" I was like, yeah. Oh, can I get a selfie? Like, yeah, I've just come down as a water slide. My hair's in disarray. <laughs> I'm jet lagged. I'm exhausted. It's like, yeah, go on then. In a public pool. <laughs> Were you in your swimming costume? I was, mate. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. That's all. So he got mate. the he got the proper Fred Mills experience. Then he did. He got he right. got all, all the muscles, all the pecs, all the abs. Are you tensing? <laughs> of course I was tensing. <laughs> of course I was tensing. Bet you were. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Another little story from my weekend, uh, which made me laugh. My uh, my wife had to pop out to go and get the uh, go and get the food shopping, pick it up from somewhere. So I said, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I'll stay. I'll stay in with the kids. It's all good. You know, I'll, I'll do my fatherly duty." Um, but I shut shut the door and said goodbye to her. And I turned around, and my five year old daughter was stood in the middle of the hallway, just looking at me deadpan. And she put her fingers to her eyes and she said, "Look at me, look at me. I'm the captain now." <laughs> no, was, yeah. are you serious? <laughs> like she's obviously, she's obviously heard it from the movie at school, or I don't know. Someone's saying it. And I'm just, <laughs> she looked at me like, "Look at me. I'm the captain now." <laughs> oh man, she sounds sassy. Mate, she's terrified. She's, she scares the life out of me. She's very much in control. <laughs> I love it, mate. I love it. Fantastic. Anyway, I told you guys we had a bumper episode this week. We've got loads to talk about. We've spent ages on the intro already, but uh, let's get into it. This week, we're talking about the battle to build New York's new five world trade center skyscraper, a video that came out on the B1M yesterday. Saudi Arabia shockingly restarting construction on the massive Jeddah Tower that's set to become the tallest building in the world. Some incredible new Marriott hotels announced for Trajina, which is Saudi Arabia's mountain ski resort, and a huge redevelopment approved in London's Canada Water. It's a massive week. We've got loads to talk about. We've got loads of your comments and emails to go through as well. Let's do it. Let's dive in. Let's make this the best episode ever. Let's go. So first up this week, we are diving into the big old battle to build New York's new five world trade center skyscraper. Now, in case you've been living under a rock, basically for a number of years, uh, deciding what to rebuild at New York's world trade center site has been a big old point of contention. And if you've watched our channel before, you might know the construction there isn't exactly finished. There was a big, long drawn out design argument about the master plan, about what should be rebuilt there. Um, a certain man called Donald Trump popped up and wanted to rebuild the Twin Towers bigger, better and stronger as you may remember uh, it got quite a lot of backing for that idea as it happened there were all sorts of architects chipping in there was compromise anyway we ended up with over a decade later in 2014 uh, one World Trade Center opening the memorial opening um, a few skyscrapers around it opening including three and four World Trade Center um, but basically, there's a big old gap where two World Trade Centers are supposed to stand because it's been searching for a tenant for ages. They can't find anyone who wants that much office space in Lower Manhattan, so the project hasn't gone ahead. It's been redesigned three times. There is also a big old gap over at Five World Trade Center, but unlike other skyscrapers on this site, this is the only one that's going to be residential, which means it comes with an entirely new set of debate and Browse and arguments about who should live in there, how affordable it's going to be, how much should be residential, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, you guys excited for this one? 
I love it, mate. You know I love me some skyscrapers. I love a uh, return to New York. I love <laughs> I love the World Trade Center. I'm interested. I'm genuinely interested in the site and kind of the legacy um, of this. I know we went over the designs uh, a while back now, maybe a month or two ago, maybe a bit more than that. Um, I'm still not on board with the design, but I'm well aware that the whole five world trades and the thing is more than just the design, right? And there's a lot more conversational points and even viewpoints, feelings that, that go into this. So looking yeah. forward to diving into it, mate. And what's interesting with this is I think when you think about the World Trade Center site, you think about the Twin Towers and 9-11, obviously naturally as we all would do. What we did with this video was kind of wind the clock back a bit further because actually this wasn't the first, this isn't the first time that residential properties have been on this site. So go way back to the 1960s before the Twin Towers were built, before they opened, and there was this place called Radio Row, which is like this kind of commercial hub for lots of radio and television storefronts, things you wouldn't basically get today. White goods, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, there were people living there. There was uh, homes above uh, flats. There were residential properties. But when One World Trade Center was planned, the original Twin Towers uh, designed by Minoru Yamasaki, which opened in the early 1970s, uh, they were built right on top of that neighborhood. Now, people living there were annoyed. They were concerned for their livelihoods. Business owners, local residents all pushed back. There were loads of complaints and opposition to it. But ultimately, it, it didn't happen. And the World Trade Center went ahead, as we know. Obviously, 9-11 then happened, um, which altered the skyline and the soul of the city really for forever, as we all know and probably vividly remember. And then the slow and controversial process of rebuilding began. And we've covered that quite extensively, as I said earlier. But fast forward to today, you've got one World Trade Center. You've got three complete skyscrapers. You've got a fantastic mm. and well-done memorial. I have to say the memorial and the museum underneath are outstanding. It's one of the best cultural tributes and cultural experiences i've ever had was visiting that museum it was fantastic wow. yeah wow really really good yeah really really good um but five world trade center as we've alluded to is still not there so this is on the site that's over at 130 liberty street which is kind of directly south it's the first site south of the uh world trade center memorial site next to the new uh church it's just a fantastic new white marble church that's just opened now, previously, the Deutsche Bank building was standing there, and it wasn't destroyed in 9-11, but you'll see in pictures we've got in the video, it was heavily damaged and contaminated. And after years of deterioration and the city trying to sort it out and solve it, they basically gave up and said, like, we, we can't save this building, it'd be easier to demolish it. So Deutsche Bank building, damaged on 9-11, was demolished, and then basically it sat as an empty site ready for what would be Five World Trade Center. Fast forward a bit more, in the early 2020s, Silverstein Properties, which will be a name you guys all know about, uh, this is the band, uh, Larry Silverstein bought the original Twin Towers in the summer of 2001, he's been heavily involved in the rebuilding of the World Trade Center site, there was insurance claims and all sorts going on with that, but anyway, Silverstein Properties and Brookfield Place came together uh, and unveiled plans for this new 274 meter mixed use buildings, uh, sorry, mixed use building with apartments, offices, and predominantly retail space. Thing was designed by Cone Pedersen Fox. We love a bit of KPF on this podcast. And I have to say, <laughs> I really like the look of this skyscraper, right? We're going to come on to the basically the controversy around this is, is all about affordable housing. But the skyscraper itself, as I said, 
274 meters, cone pedersen fox. I really like it. I think it's absolutely beautiful. Bit of, bit of trees on buildings halfway up. You know what's not what's not to like. It's all right. It's all right. Oh, <laughs> I know you. I know you're a big a big fan. But um, and I do, and I do get it. I know that not every tower at the World Trade Center complex can be you know a huge landmark statement tower. You know that is kind of reserved for one World Trade Center. And everything else is meant to honour that. Um, yeah, it just I just feel like it could be built anywhere. I think, I think my most recent thing that I'm saying and that I'm on is that uh, it looks like it could be maybe built in Stratford in East London. Like it does look like it's, <laughs> it just looks like it could be built anywhere. It doesn't look to me, it doesn't look New York-y enough. Maybe I'm being too harsh, but I know that it's really difficult to design and to like keep everyone really happy on a site like this so i'm I'm probably being a bit nitpicky um yeah yeah maybe mate i mean i don't know about stratford mate <laughs> that's a random place to name is there even any buildings over like 15 floors there yeah yeah, oh. yeah. Well, yeah. There's, 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 there's a few decent ones. Manhattan. Shout out to Manhattan Loft Gardens, not in New Oof. York, in Stratford, which Oof. is a little bit ironic, go. isn't it? But yeah, um, I don't know. I maybe. I mean, yeah. I, I don't mind it. I think, I think it's quite nice. I think maybe is the idea not to sort of overshadow the other mm. buildings around there, the other trade centers, essentially, and just sort of you know fit it into that sort of scene. Um. Yeah, I. I I quite like it. I mean, mm. I kind of think it suits suits the whole plan, really. Mm. I like it. I think it does a good job of being New York enough and different enough. It, it pushes the envelope a bit and breaks the mold without without standing out too much and overshadowing what's next to it. So I think, I think mm. it achieves a... And I, I, I'm a sucker for KPF, guys. What can I say? I do like a KPF <laughs> skyscraper. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose. I suppose uh, a lot of it also comes down to the finish and the execution. Oh, and here we go. The in New York, oh, here we go. APF. He <laughs> loves, loves a bit of cladding. Oh, uh, it's, it just drives. It drives me up the wall when we, we get we a really good design, <laughs> and then it gets built, and you're like, oh, it looks. It doesn't even look like the rendering, and that's just becoming more and more common. But I think in World Trade Center, they're gonna obviously put a lot of money behind it, right? Yeah, so. I, I think I have to say KPF's track record of building stuff and it looking good is is pretty good. So true. Yeah, true. Don't let, don't let they, us down. They KPF. do the Shenzhen. They do the Shenzhen Tower. Yeah, they've done many yeah. lots of stuff in China. Yeah, most. Mm. I mean, they, they've done hundreds of buildings worldwide. They're they are skyscraper experts. Don't let us down, KPF. You've got a big fan sitting right here. So <laughs> do a good job at World Trade, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, as I said, though, the bigger the bigger issue here is not what it looks like, but who gets to live in there. Now, right. in case you hadn't noticed, New York is a pretty expensive place to live. On average, a one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan is now $5,588 per month in rent. Uh, if you're in the UK, for our UK audience, that's about well, just over four and a half grand a month on a one-bedroom apartment. So, uh, yeah, pretty shocking stuff. There's a big push by the state government to address the issue of affordable housing. It's, I'm not saying it's going that well, to be quite honest. Obviously, we've done stuff around Billionaires Row and where affordable housing gets built and how affordable it really is. 
But anyway, Five World Trade Center was originally, when it was first tabled back in 2021, supposed to contain 25% of units that were deemed to be affordable. So 25% of the flats in Five World Trade Center were supposed to be affordable. Now, the definition of affordable uh, is not what you and I would expect as affordable, but it's affordable for New York, right? Mm -hmm. So to qualify for those units, residents had to meet certain income requirements based on the household's percentage of the area median income. They then have to enter into a lottery system and they get picked at random for a chance to own one of these very special cheaper apartments. Um, Basically, the income range is somewhere between fifty dollars to $84,000 for a family of three at the low end, uh, up to $150,000 on the high end, which means they're basically paying between $1,500 and $3,800 a month to rent. So, oh. do, you, do you believe the lottery will be random? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Conspiracy theorist. And Paul had on. <laughs> I, just, I just feel like, you know, in these types of situations, I, I just don't feel like anything. I don't think it would be random for them to be selecting people to live into these houses. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a decent idea, though. Like, the mm. principle is quite nice, actually. And learning a bit more about it in the video, it did make me think, oh, do you know what? This seems... It quite it, it seems quite genuine, and it seems like a nice tribute to the site in 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 a way. Um, weren't they also talking about like some of the uh, victims being offered housing there? And yeah, so again, we spoke about this a few weeks ago when this project was mm. first announced. But um, survivors of nine eleven and their families are going to be offered. I think eighty of the apartments are reserved for nine um, eleven survivors and their families. Again, I go back to what I said a few weeks ago. If you survive 9-11, if you now want to live in a high-rise skyscraper on the World Trade Center site, I don't... Mm. Yeah, I'm not, that wouldn't appeal to me personally. But Yeah, I, I can't imagine it'd be comfortable living on a site like that if you've experienced sort of trauma in that area. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They wouldn't be able to just... Um... They're not given the apartment, are they? In a sense that they own it, right, and have a share of like freehold or something like that. They're just offered the space to stay there. Is that yeah? Is it's, that it's right? A, okay. It's an affordable rent, effectively. Yeah, and there'll be people listening to this going, you know, "Why are you complaining about affordable housing in New York when you know if you want to live in Lower Manhattan in a skyscraper, you have to ex- expect you're going to have to pay more." And that that approach is is fine. There is a luxury real estate market, obviously. But the issue is, as we've spoken about before with, with Billionaires Row and with uh, Battersea and other developments worldwide, if you only build high-end luxury housing, you end up hollowing out city centres because there aren't enough affordable places for people of all backgrounds to live in, and that becomes problematic. So, mm-hmm. yes, on the one hand, if you want to live in a high-rise skyscraper in Manhattan at the World Trade Center site, you're going to be paying a higher rent, even if you're in an affordable apartment but it needs to be set at a slightly different level than the unlimited market cap where some of these high-rise apartments go to. I mean, there's one on Billionaires Row, as we know, 250 million US dollars list price. Like, absolutely insane. And this kind of goes back to the fact that, you know, cities need to actually be able to function as cities, right? And I think that's what you're getting at. You need people from all different backgrounds, people of different economic classes, 
to make a city work. And if it becomes unaffordable for a lot of people, people will just leave. People are just, they're not going to be like, oh yeah, I'll live in Manhattan and uh, yeah. and I'll just work down the, at the local Starbucks. You know, that's not sustainable, is it? That's not. No, like you end up with people then living in suburbs and commuting in or the suburbs become expensive so they move further out and they can't commute mm-hmm. in. The pressure right. on rail services becomes higher. It, it All sorts of problems. You end up with urban sprawl, density goes down, pollution goes up. All sorts of problems start start coming in. Um, but I mean, coming back to Five World Trade Center, I, I want to dig in because Luke, you said a really good point there about uh, cities not being able to function, and I think there is a there's a bigger systemic issue here with how this city is naturally functioning, and you can kind of tell it through this Five World Trade Center story, right? So, winding back to when Five World Trade Center was being planned and negotiated, there were activists who wanted it to be a hundred percent affordable, not just not just twenty five percent of the flats affordable, one hundred percent of the flats affordable. Um, but that couldn't work because to make affordable housing in Manhattan, the government has to subsidize it. And the bill for subsidizing it would have been $500 million, which was too expensive for the government. You know, they're too busy, too busy spending billions on Penn Station and bridges in New <laughs> bridges to New Jersey and all sorts of other <laughs> tunnel projects that will have a budget. Um, yeah, East Side Access Projects, another one that's uh, very, very expensive. Basically, and I want to dig into this, the reason the government has to subsidize it is because with the high price of land and construction in New York City, building affordable housing just isn't very attractive to developers because the margins aren't there. So when you've got luxury property in demand, it's much easier for a developer to make that business decision because they know they can build it, they can sell it for a good margin, they're going to get a good return. For them to build affordable housing, costing them quite a bit of money, and not making any margin on it, there's no appeal or interest in doing that. Mm. So the government has to legislate to say, look, if you want to do a new development, you also have to do X amount of affordable housing, either on the same site, or as it seems in New York, you can you know, go through the loopholes and get it moved to elsewhere within the city limits, which isn't really right. Um, or the government steps in and subsidizes the construction of affordable housing. So basically they step in, at taxpayers' expense, they pay developers to build affordable housing so that affordable housing gets built and exists on these sites. And I think what's you know that that works, it sort of solves this problem for the moment of Five World Trade Center. But what it underlines is that right now the economic conditions for affordable housing to be naturally organically constructed no longer exist in Manhattan. You have to engineer it to make it work. Mm. And we pose the question in the video, is that ever going to, does that mean those conditions are ever going to exist again? And if those conditions don't exist again, what does that mean for the future of the city? We're in a situation now where if there's no, if you can't have affordable housing in Manhattan and Brooklyn becomes expensive and things start spreading out into the suburbs, how does this city work? Right. Yeah. Because it's the same thing in London, ain't it? It's it's L- London, central London, like Manhattan or a lot of Manhattan, will always be expensive because you're in the middle, and you, I, you know, I understand there is a right to charge a premium if you live in the centre of a city within reason, and that within reason, you know, covers a lot. <laughs> that forgives a lot of things, right? So, you know, I know that's a bit of a blanket statement, but it's when it starts affecting 
the outskirts as well, just because they might have good transport links. So, like you mentioned, Brooklyn. Brooklyn's a great example of that. <laughs> we interrupt this broadcast. <laughs> Go in. Who's the door? Bring him in. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if. Is that your dodgy painter? He's <laughs> gone, Gary. mate. <laughs> Gary. Gav. Get close. Close. It was Gav. But yeah. That's my point anyway. There we go. That's a good point, Luke. And, yeah. and you've got a parcel arrived in the middle of it, which is just <laughs> <which is> great. <laughs> we're going to just keep this in. Just keep it in. Yeah, well, I've got, 100% we're keeping it in. <laughs> you know, I think it's interesting that what we've talked about it before, what makes a good city is diversity and vibrancy. And if we end up in a situation where the centre of a city is just high-end apartments that people don't live in or only a certain type of people live in, the vibrancy of your city starts to fall apart and the reason that it was attractive for those people to live in, in the first place the reason that luxury real estate became attractive in the first place starts to slip away as well so the whole thing starts to fall over in everyone's interest the billionaires as well as <laughs> the people looking for affordable housing so it's a big problem that i mean i don't I, I do not have the solution on this podcast right here but it's a big problem that needs to be addressed we need to build more affordable housing in our cities and we need mm. to do it in a way that actually works not that has to be forced and subsidized to a great extent so yeah i mean obviously there's not a solution right now but do you think something like five world trade center is a step in the right direction uh obviously it's welcomed i think it's a uh fabricated sticking plaster to a problem you haven't right. actually solved the symptoms of in any way. Right. And it will almost take a uh, a changing economic cycle or the collapse of some kind of luxury real estate market for things to change again. Oh. There's a big there's a big opportunity at the moment in New York because a lot of office space is open. There's like twenty two percent office vacancy and there's lots of talk of converting that into affordable housing. They haven't found the recipe for that yet because again, affordable housing doesn't work right now. But mm. I, I don't know. I think it will take a bigger seismic market shift to make something work, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, anyway, we have no answers for you guys. We have big, big <laughs> questions, but no answers. You're welcome, <laughs> dear listener. Um, back to Five World Trade Center. Basically, Governor Kathy Hochul, personally, I, don't, I'm, I doubt she did personally, but yeah, when, there, when there's a victory to be made, the governor steps in. Uh, she reached a deal in mid-2023. Number of affordable units has increased from 330, which was 25%, up to 400, which is around 33%. 80 of those units are reserved for survivors of 9-11 and their families. Overall, that's going to cost the state $60 million in funding, with an extra $5 million coming from local authorities. Uh, and the remainder of the building, so most of it, as I said, is either affordable or uh residential apartments high-end residential apartments the remaining 20 percent uh you've got 12 percent going to offices and the remaining eight percent is going to be retail and public amenities down at ground level so yeah it's good there's a building coming back here i like the kpf building it's good there's some affordable housing in it this is a welcome development right the row in getting the affordable housing in it agreed underlines just what a problem new york is in right now with housing yeah yeah what, big time what, what a cheery video for this week's <laughs> this week's topic <laughs> you know what uh, i think it's um i think it was on the slack 
um, one of our channels earlier. I think Ian posted it about this uh, this London apartment block that deviated from the original plans. It was going to be, uh, it was going to have a, a garden and you know a playground for kids to play in and stuff. And they built the block and they've kind of like left everything else. And the councils turned around and said, "Got to tear it down because you've not you've not followed through with what you promised and what was what was given as planning permission." And I, I, that's the only thing is with some of these developers, I think it's becoming more and more obvious that they kind of do this bare minimum box checking and then they get to build these like huge projects that long term is about, you know, serving the ultra wealthy and rewarding the ultra wealthy. And uh, it's just an observation. Even Fred, you and I were in Canary Wharf the other day, walking past like some of the developments there. They've got like a stupid little tiny playground to the right of it that's that was taped off wasn't even open and you're thinking <laughs> what did they that's got to be part of the deal isn't it that was struck with like the council to go well if you do this little playground whether we can say well we've built this amount of playgrounds in the borough during this year and it's like it's not really it's not real is it no i, I think that, that there's no developers on this podcast right so uh, for balance in defense of developers <laughs> Uh, there, there isn't. They're, they're businesses, okay? They're businesses. They're out to make money. They have shareholders. They have bottom lines to report to. Uh, and there isn't a business case right now for them to build affordable housing. So I don't think we need mm. to get necessarily angry at these evil developers who aren't building affordable housing and trying to make loads of money. We need to find the right business solution and the right dynamics for affordable housing to be naturally and organically created. It's mm. no one's. It's it's no one's particular fault but we do all need to come together, sit around the table and actively try and make a difference. And they will take compromise on all sides. But it's not just it's not just developers should build more affordable housing because they're not going to do that, are they? It, there's, right. no, there's no business case for them to build affordable housing unless it is subsidised in some way right now or we find a different economic business model solution that actually works. Again, don't have that answer right now. So... <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Anyway, back to the architecture. Scores out of 10, guys, for this skyscraper, just purely based on looks. Hot or not, one is not, 10 is hot. What are you going for? Seven. Oh, seven. Six and a half. Um, six and a half. Take that back. <laughs> he quickly changed that. Liam yeah. quickly Liam. changed that. Seven's a high score. Arguing the points, asking for half points. Just <laughs> unreal. Quizmaster, oh. mate. <laughs> Don't forget it. Um... Oh, I don't know. I'm I'm looking at renderings of it again on Google Images. I oh, think I'm on, leaning quick, quick number, quick fire round. Six, six out of ten. Not six out of ten. I'm gonna go eight. Eight. It's oh, too high. It's eight. too high, Fred. Never give Seems- ten. You can't give KP <laughs> ten. You got you got to make sure KP feels stretched. That's this best. definitely got an eight. Mm, after a couple of pints, it's an eight. very good anyway guys let us know what you think about five world trade center do you like the architecture what do you think of the big old affordable housing debate what do you think of the general reconstruction of the world trade center site have they got it right what have they done right what could be better get your comments coming in podcast at cb1m.com Awesome the news this week. We have got, uh, well, lots happening, guys. There are some huge things to talk about uh, this week. 
First up, Saudi Arabia is planning to restart construction on the Jeddah Tower, the one kilometer tall Jeddah Tower, set to become the world's tallest building. I reckon they listened to this podcast and were like, oh my god, they're rinsing us. <laughs> Quick, get out there and start pouring concrete again. Yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah. I think so, mate. I think so. Yeah, mate, that and the lion. I think. I think they're like, all right, screw Fred Mills. We're going to do this stuff now and make it happen. <laughs> You're going to make him eat his words. <laughs> uh, to clarify for you guys, the product developer, so as we said before, this is not a state-funded project, right? You've got state-funded stuff, which is Neom, the line, the macabre, that kind of stuff. This is a private developer, albeit in Saudi Arabia, private developers have lots of links to the government and the royal family and stuff. It's all a bit complicated. But anyway, product developer, Jeddah Economic Company, snappily abbreviated to the JEC, has invited bids from contractors by the end of 2023 for contracts to finish the Megatool skyscraper. So they're tendering it. There's been activity on the site. They've been uh, surveying the stump, as I understand it. Uh, As you know, long old story with this one. Saudi Arabia started building the Jeddah Tower uh, a, a long time ago, way back in 2013. It was supposed to be the world's tallest building, at least a kilometer tall, overtaking Dubai's 828 meter Burj Khalifa, they kept the actual final height a secret, we imagine, so that they could make sure they definitely get the record and not get beaten by anyone else. Um, but it's not been a smooth journey. As I said, construction started 2013. It was paused uh, following Saudi Arabia's anti-corruption purge of 2017. Sat dormant for a while, then started again in early 2020, got paused again because of the pandemic, and it's basically sat there as this 300-meter-tall stump. Uh, but worth saying, the stump is as tall as the Chrysler building. So, yeah, a bit of a journey. Serious question. How do they measure the height of it once it's built? It's a good question. I think I... <laughs> it's not a guy with a tape measure. I think yeah, it's... Yeah, mate, the... I, was, I was thinking just get a tape measure, top, drop it. Oh, that moment where you put a tape measure on the other end of a cabinet or something, it slips off and then shoots back towards you. Like, <laughs> Oh, I hate that. That and the Jeddah Tower, so annoying. So annoying. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's not a one kilometer tape measure it is a laser point measuring thing it's like a laser scan type thing right um but it's a good point the burj khalifa is actually a really hard building to see photograph and visualize because it's so tall Mm. it's hard to get it in pictures it's hard to get it in the the kind of the aperture i want to say i'm not saying the right words here at all but it's (laughs) It gets curved in the old camera lenses. I can hear frame in the frame. Yeah, yeah. I can hear photographers listening to this. Like, what is he talking about? (laughs) Just shut up. (laughs) Anyway, it's happening. Apparently, yeah. World's tallest building coming your way in 2050. Um, Let's see what let's see what happens. I am so excited for this. I saw this uh, while I was in the kitchen. And I, 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 I was, I actually had an expression of excitement, like out loud. I was like, "Oh no way!" And I thought it was a prank. I thought it was one of like the fake B one M wannabe channels, like posting this, and one of their, one of their, you, you know the ones, you know the ones. There are the guys that like just basically repost everything B one M puts out, and they're like, yeah. "Oh, top luxury, yeah, Rips yeah, the content weekly." Screw them, screw yeah. them. When we like spend ages our motion graphics team creating models from scratch with 3D modeling software, I know, and they just go and steal them. Yeah, not oh, good. Oh, luxury. And they got 15 million subs. That's, yeah, that's yeah. evil. Praying on smaller creators. Yeah, that is wild. 
Um, I'm I'm ridiculously excited for this, mate. Ridiculously excited for this. Another world's tallest building, and you know Dubai are going to be like, right? Let's get you know what the what's that thing called that Dubai, they got that their, thing? Dubai Creek the, Tower, mate. Dubai <laughs> Creek Tower. Dubai are going to be like rubbing their hands together, like right, it's on then. Let's let's go. And uh, yeah, I, I I think it's exciting. I, I there's a lot of controversy with Saudi, bloody blah, blah, blah. We've 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 laboured that point, but listen, I'm yeah, I'm excited, very very excited, and optimistic about it. So yeah, and regular fans of BLM will know that back in April we did an April Fool's joke about Saudi Arabia announcing they were going to restart the tower, but upside down this time. Uh, which got a lot of people believing it, a lot of other media posting it because they thought, oh, BLM's reported it, it must be true. Um, yeah, <laughs> really good fun doing that. Um, but when we come to our next project, I was writing it thinking, oh, people are going to think this is an April Fool's joke again, aren't they? Because it sounds so outrageous. So, guys, second thing, and also in the news this week, we are staying in Saudi Arabia because marriott international the massive u.s hotel chain uh, and empire really marriott international have reached a deal with neom to open two hotels over at dragina dragina is saudi arabia's massive new mountain ski resort we've got a 500 key jw marriott which is going to open in the bow right so think of dragina you've got that huge 2.8 kilometer long new man-made lake with this enormous uh concrete uh, kind of cantilevered wall at the front of it in this valley they are building a hotel inside that wall um it's understood that the, <laughs> I'm, I'm reading this right and i can't believe what i'm saying it's understood the hotel <laughs> is going to be immersed within the lake and engineered to withstand water pressure and in a statement Marriott international said it would be a futuristic water world which will combine nature with technology to make for a unique living environment you can say that again, guys. A hotel in a damn wall. You've got trees on top of it. You've got automated cars. I, mm. I, I don't know what to say. What this is not. There's a second hotel they've announced, which I have to say is a lot tamer. Um, that's going to be a 236 room uh, new W hotel, first ever W hotel in Saudi Arabia on the kind of lakeside up at Trajina. But I mean, like I, I'm saying it, I can't really believe what I'm saying, Marriott teaming up with neom to build a hotel in a damn wall it's pretty cool <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i think this is so cool i know it it's is. ridiculously over the top but i mean those renders look amazing yeah, that first yeah. one looks it's so cool because it's so different it's so unique it's unbelievable it's, it's got a star wars vibe and the first one's got a star wars vibe definitely big time Big time. I mean, the whole the whole project just looks absolutely sensational, mate. There's no there's no denying it. If they if they pull this off, man, like 2026, that's not far away. It isn't. There's a lot going on. I have to say, there are a lot of uh, firms engaged right now. There's a lot of construction work happening. So yeah, plan is to finish it 2026. That's the whole of Regina 2026, uh, and it's going to host the Asian Winter Games in 2029. There is a lot of debate around climate change, sustainability, use of materials, building this in such a remote location, uh, labour practices. We've talked about it all before. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not as it's not as idyllic as it looks on the surface. There is more to building in Saudi Arabia mm. than meets the eye. Albeit they are trying to sort of change direction now. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just just it blows my mind how inspiring for like young architects and designers and. 
yeah, a hotel and a damn wall. It sounds damn amazing. I'm sure it'd be pretty immersive experience. <laughs> They'll be yeah. holding back registrations. But yeah, <laughs> very good. I, I'm not even going to say very good. I always say very good. No, I'm not going to encourage it, Fred. <laughs> Lots of comments on this one. Uh, so Christian saying, uh, I'm still not sure what I think about this. From a technological and logistical perspective, it's freaking impressive. I'm not sure about the environmental impacts. Lots of people saying, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, nobody asked for any of this. <laughs> it's a comment from a guy called Andy. Uh, <laughs> a guy called of, Andy. <laughs> some guy called Andy. Lots of chats about uh, snow. How can they host winter sports when it doesn't snow? Apparently it does snow in this part of the mountains. Um, so, yeah. Someone else saying this is like if a group of egotistical college students collaborated in the studio and somehow got their extremely trash thesis proposal funded. <laughs> uh, not a lot of love lost there, but um, yeah, some people impressed, some people amazed. Lots of questions being asked. What do you reckon, Liam? You staying here? I'd say that, mate. I would. I was just sorry. I was just looking at some of the comments. Just people kicking off saying the B one M sponsored by PIF and blah 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 blah. Um, which is just super frustrating considering we've turned down commissioned work from them and we're just highlighting cool construction projects around the world because we're a construction platform publisher. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just funny. If I, I just, it always amazes me as well. I know it's a bit off topic how, um, angry people get in the comment section and then they, there's like threads of like 20 replies of people like arguing with each other and then they start arguing mm, yeah. country's better the and blah 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 oh man it's just it's just ridiculous um, I would go check it out for sure I find this stuff fascinating fascinating mm. what I'm doing in Saudi obviously without all the political things and, and, and um, working conditions and things like that I'd like to just see the finished product product because I think it's it's never been built before, right? These projects are, are mm. one of a kind. It'd be pretty amazing to stand in front of it and, and just to look at the line and the and yeah. this hotel. Hotel in a lake. On a dam. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Damn. Great shout. No, no, no. It's a great, it's a great, great, great shout. I mean, yeah, you're all, you're always gonna get that online, but um, yeah, it is it is a little bit frustrating. I mean, at the beginning of this year, you can listen back to to the show. I've been really skeptical, and part of me is still really skeptical about a lot of these projects in Saudi. But it's actually starting to happen now, isn't it? Like this is actually starting to like they get they're they're tendering out hotels and contractors, and it's like oh no, they are actually moving forward with this stuff. So yeah, and yeah, believe watch. me, I, I've said it before. They they have the means, they have the ambition, they have the money, and I think yeah. it will happen. There's oh, a, that's the determination. A big change, right? There's a no, big change. I, I, the I, line I do, you are fundamentally not going to happen. The line, no, right? Okay, so the line I stand by. I think these projects, <laughs> these projects, they they will get, they will go ahead and build them. Whether they look like the renders, we can discuss that. The line, I do struggle to see how you build yeah. 500 meters high for 170 kilometers. I, I just can't see it. I'd love to prove him wrong, but I just can't see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's, there's this guy on here saying, oh, B1M's clearly funded by MBS for posting this. Like, I, I replied to that quite a long reply. We've got, we've got a staple reply now for the Saudi Arabia stuff. But for anyone listening to the podcast, I, I, just to explain it, Saudi Arabia using mega projects to diversify its economy and change its PR narrative 
whether you like it or not, is one of the biggest defining construction stories of our time. And we have a responsibility to cover it to our audience and talk about it. We've done that in a balanced way. We've highlighted environmental impacts. We've corrected misleading statements. We've raised alleged human rights abuses, uh, labor practices in YouTube videos, on podcast episodes, on our social media accounts. We're a small publisher. Other big publishers haven't done that. We've been invited by PAF to go out and uh, be paid to say nice things about them. We've turned that down because of our editorial values and our integrity. And yeah, like we, we stand by what we do. We're proud of what we do. We've got our editorial guidelines, our values are all published on our website so that people can hold us to account against them. And I'm really proud of the work we're doing and the coverage we're doing. So you firing off quickly that just because we posted about Saudi Arabia means we must be funded by the Saudi Arabian government or any other government around the world whenever we post something about that it's just it's just silly mm-hmm. it's construction news mate it's construction news and that's what we're talking about construction news that's it yeah it's not that deep love it fred yeah move <laughs> on move on you cretins yeah. <laughs> internet trolls uh, now we're swinging back over to a much tamer development guys in london england so canada water which is a lovely little slice of uh, london is about to look quite different. We've got big plans for new office buildings by Bjark Ingalls Group and HWKN within this kind of wider regeneration plan that's been approved by uh, Southwark Council this week. These two buildings, you've got an 11-storey structure, which has got lots of trees and greenery on it. Uh, that's going to rise to 55 metres. And then you've got a 24-storey structure, which is going to reach 110 metres. That's the Bjark Ingalls designed one very kind of it looks a lot like Bjark Ingalls two world trade center design but obviously a much shorter one and in London um works due to start on the site in spring of 24 and set to wrap up in 2027 quite a lot of love for this one um people mm. liking the approach the architecture what do you guys think Luke what do you think Canada <laughs> water mate kind of you must have opinions. I, I always got opinions, mate. I always got opinions. I think it's an impressive uh, master plan, what they got going down over at uh, Canada Water, that part of London, obviously not far from Canary Wharf and the Docklands. And so I think they're kind of capitalising on that like growth of the skyscraper in that part of East London. And we've got kind of some tall-ish buildings here. Um, I think it looks okay. I, I really like that stacked sort of Bjark Ingalls uh, tower. The, the, the shorter one, I think, is a, it's a little bit average. It looks a little bit like the towers uh, or buildings that we're kind of um, destroying now in central London and replacing with other buildings. It looks a little bit mid-century. Um, I, the development, I think, is is okay. The taller one, the stacked one that looks a bit like the World Trade Center design, that is, it is a bit funky. If anything, I think it could be a bit taller. I think you could add two more of those stacked uh, boxes on top of it, yeah? Um, I think it's all right. I think it's all chap, right. Not my favorite. Uh, chap called Kyle in the comments says, it looks like the box that the real building is supposed to come in. <laughs> <laughs> who who was that? What was his name? Kyle. Uh, Kyle, yeah. Oh, classic. Trying yeah. to get Just in on my it. territory, mate. <laughs> yeah. That is some really good comments, actually. and uh, Not a lot of love, really. Uh, a guy called Josh yeah. is saying... Will this be accompanied with an upgrade to the TfL station? Canada Water just wasn't built to handle the amount of people that are now going to be living in this area. That's a really good point. Probably mm. not, mate, is the answer. 
Francis saying that he likes it, uh, which is good. Manuel saying, if you remove all the green, this isn't a very good design. Uh, uh, Jan saying these trees are going to take years to manifest and appear. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Mm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's good. It's a nice little generation scheme in London. You've got Bjork Ingalls, uh, HWKN. Again, the renders are very sunny and green. Let's see if that happens <laughs> in central London. But, um, <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> Uh, guys, there has been so much architectural news this week that we've actually had to put some into a, another episode. So we're going to kick some down the road a bit to next week. Uh, if there's some big news happening that you've uh, you thought would be covered, then we apologise. We're going to come back to that soon. Swinging over, Mr. Lubli, to the email inbox, the reviews, feedback, what's been going on? Okay, so I'm gonna, we've, we've had a few emails in, and we can't cover them all this week, but uh, I'm going to start off with one. Marco Vanderval from the Netherlands says, Hi, Fred, Liam, and Luke. I've been a fan of the podcast for about a year and listen to every episode. Every Thursday, I can enjoy the new episode, and I'm always looking forward to it. It was nice listening to the last episode about the largest cruise ship, the world's largest cruise ship. The last five years, I've been enjoying my study, maritime engineering, so studying that at university, and following the channel to gain some more insight in the broader field of engineering. Or insight, I think he means, but yeah. Therefore, it was very exciting to listen to an episode where you guys were talking about ships. I think it's a niche topic, but it's also really interesting. Anyways, I just wanted to get in touch, express my delight, and tell you that I absolutely agree with the fact that cruise ships are an obsolete structure that emit too much greenhouse gases. Keep on making my favorite poddy, Marco. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, good old Thanks, Marco. Marco. Now got, we've got. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was, hang on. I was going to squeeze in, mate. I've actually got a, yeah. a nice email from one of our one of our clients, actually. Um, a guy named Darren Graham. You know Darren, Fred. Works over at Viewpoint, Trimble Viewpoint. Worked with him for a couple of years. Uh, he actually reached out the other day and he said, "Hey, Liam, congrats on the well-deserved quiz win." Like I'm, that, not that. I'm not having that. Here we I'm go. Here we go. Podcast each week for the last six months or so, and I've been loving it. Credit to you guys. I had some back and forth, just saying thanks, and then he, he replied with, "Haha." In all seriousness, you have really nailed the format and the dynamic between you three makes it. Not sure if you're a James Smith fan, but it reminds me of the Fair Point series he and Sonny Webster did with a mate. Slightly less educational than yours, of course. <laughs> My final fanboy comment is that you have by far the best podcast jingle out there. Here you go, Luke. Here you go, buddy. <laughs> yes, mate. Yes, mate. It's all of the it's all of the, like the voiceovers in it that bring it together, you know. We got you know That's the shard being announced. Not, not the voiceovers. So. Yeah. Catchy. I'm not <laughs> it is catchy. It is catchy. It is catchy. I had a message I knew it when I heard it. Who was talking to us about the quiz? And he's like, "For goodness' sake, why don't you just have a buzzer so one of you can buzz in first of all and give the answer?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he we can't like copy your answer. Frustrated. <laughs> he was like, "When you, <laughs> when you can just shout out, of course, the next person's going to get it right as well." It's an absurd. He's like, "Why can't you organise a basic quiz? This is absurd." <laughs> <laughs> it made me giggle. It's just like you bloody idiots. Can't you just just get a buzzer? <laughs> refinements, 
refinements. <laughs> we will, you know, it comes with time. Yeah, the B1M grew. I mean, it's a fairly yeah. basic fundamental idea, so, yeah. Shh, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're all right. Yeah. All right. Well, ne- next week I've got another email from another guy um, with a slightly different opinion and a different take on the, the whole cruise ship thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. saw that come in, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's been a good episode, guys. It's been a bumper episode. I've absolutely enjoyed. We, we've covered a lot in this, haven't we? There's, there's been a lot of ground covered. Just to remind you guys, we are coming to Sydney, Australia on the 2nd of November. We're doing an event at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Sydney, opposite Sydney Opera House. It is free to attend, free to sign up. We're talking about Get Construction Talking. I'm going to be there. Procore are going to be there. Mates in Construction, the fantastic uh, Australia and New Zealand charity are going to be there. It's going to be an awesome night. Please do sign up and come along. Also, don't forget we're doing another event in London on the 12th of October. That is London, 12th of October at Sea Containers House. Again, free to attend, talking all about mental health and construction, which is going to be fantastic. Uh, and Construction Story of the Year, long list is out. Go and have a look at that as well. There's It's, it's busy times, guys. There's mm. a lot happening. And you've got to do your reviews. You've got to click that five-star button and send us your feedback, you know? <laughs> busy times, busy times. We don't ask for much, mate. No, we don't. No. Let me no. know what you think about Chicago as well. Let me know what you think of Chicago because I only had a very brief morning off in Chicago, but I really liked it. And never it was been awesome there, place. mate. They're not you, listeners. Fun enough, you'll know all the different skyscrapers and how high they are and the history of each of them. You just mm-hmm. yeah, Google on a I quiz. Mean... Unreal. <laughs> Smart guy. Smart yeah. guy. Unreal. I think we should have a public vote who won the quiz. Oh, yeah. I'm doing that on Twitter. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'll win, mate. Yeah, I'll mate. Win all first, all yeah. the Fred Mills fanboys will just vote for exactly. you. I mean, if they actually I'll, listen I'll, to the I'm episode, tweet they'll it clearly from... know who the winner is. <laughs> tweet it from my account. Oh, yeah. How about you tweet from your account, Liam, with your, your 20 followers, and I'll tweet it from my account, and we'll see who gets the most, <laughs> yeah. gets the most traction. I don't need it, mate. The evidence is in the recording yeah. of episode, whatever it was. Yeah, if anyone's listening and they've got like any like confidential documents you want to keep secure or hidden, um, or you don't want anyone to see, just give them to Liam to tweet out because I guarantee you, <laughs> no one's going to see it on Liam's Twitter account. That's fair. X. X. I've said it. I've seen it. The only thing I do on Twitter is like the B1M post. Oh, yeah. I'm not on board with the Great. X name, by the way. That's a bit no. What is he it doing? I, I mean, we still call it Twitter, and we all still call no. it tweets. Anyway, it's there like we go. Facebook will always be Facebook. I'm never right. going to call it Meta. No. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't didn't the Metaverse thing lose like ten billion dollars in a year or something? He's pumped uh, like loads. It's like the Facebook shareholders are fr- sorry, the Meta shareholders are freaking out because. They've put so much money into this metaverse thing. It's this big gamble that isn't paying off, basically. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's kind of mm. karma for you know them selling everyone's data and things like that, isn't it? <laughs> I've got no love for Facebook, mate. Allegedly, allegedly, uh, we get a little Facebook uh, <laughs> Facebook legal team reach out. And the next thing, though, like the, the, I know Elon's like obviously doing massive changes in Twitter and stuff, but one of the big things they had going for them was brand recognition. It's like one of the big internet social networks why would you change it from twitter to us? i don't know i don't Maybe know it's a pr stunt so more people are talking about it right now they probably notice that people aren't going to refer to it as x Ooh. you know Ooh. everyone's talking about it mate. see liam yeah he's a good old boy isn't he? Mm. 
I don't know if it's worth the name change, but yeah, <laughs> that's a yeah. take. That's a take. I'll take it. I'll take that. Just to clarify for any uh, solicitors listening, any, anything we've talked about this episode is all, all allegedly, all suggested, mm. not on basis of fact. Please don't sue us. Um, <laughs> or come on, come on the podcast and debate it with us if you want. <laughs> <laughs> please don't. Yeah. yeah, please don't. P.S. We're not available. Uh, right guys thanks for listening thanks for tuning in this has been an awesome episode there's more good stuff coming next week give us your thoughts give us your feedback give us your five star reviews have a good week and we will speak to you soon A little, little bit German. German. Don't know. I went German, German there. <laughs> a little bit German. <laughs> Schwartz. Leave it in. <laughs> Leave it in. Leave it in. <laughs>